You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Uh, we are back and live on the making of a marketer with a spectacular episode today. It's been great getting to talk some marketing with everyone. We've talked, you know, a little bit of Super Bowl last week. We've talked holiday marketing. We've talked organic. We've talked paid. We've talked, uh, you know, we've gone really around the world of marketing just. But today, um, I'm really excited. We're going to welcome on Brad Klein, um, a former co-worker of mine. We've been through many battles together. Uh, mm -hmm. But before I, I make my grand introduction, Jess, I have a surprise for you. Are you ready for it? Oh, I'm ready. So one thing about Brad that makes us like super unique is not only have we been through some really big battles in marketing um, through the paid world and kind of an omni-channel style of marketing, but we also share the same birthday slash birth date. So not just birthday, same day, year, and only a couple hours apart. So Brad, I have to introduce you with that. Um, I always have to brag, how does it feel just to be about two hours younger than me? Uh, it, it feels great. Uh, I found the fountain of youth. Uh, you are forever the old man and I forever get to be the young gun. So life, life's not it. too bad. We'll take it. So Brad and I just, you know, long story short, we are both uh, come from the agency world. So we work together on a variation of accounts across you know, different verticals. Uh, Brad, when you and I partnered, I was kind of the LinkedIn guy. You were the Facebook guy. We both used multiple platforms in our past. We combined some efforts. We did some multi-channel marketing. We made magic happen. But obviously, that's not giving you the fairest of fairest introductions there. So um, I'll just allow you to introduce yourself, kind of, you know, what are you doing right now? What have you worked on? Like, how did you grow your paid marketing career? And, you know, just who is Brad? I appreciate it, Indy. Um, yeah, I'm I'm Brad Klein. I have been doing paid digital advertising for about 12 years now. Uh, my fun little uh, office party water cooler trick is that uh, when I was in college, I had a project in business school with the with Indiana University where I went uh, with the athletics department. And uh, what I realized during this project was that they didn't have a, a unified Facebook page. Uh, the field hockey team had a page, basketball team had a page, and the teams themselves were running it. So we're talking players, we're talking student managers. So my project quickly became, uh, hey, IU Athletics, you need a central managed, you know, uh, Facebook and social media presence. Uh, saw the future in that when they took it, they ran with it. Uh, a lot of success came from it in just a short amount of time. Um, so I said, hey, this could be a career. Uh, stuck with it uh, shortly after college, dove into it, and uh, been working all over the paid digital side of things, really on the social media side, um, from the evolution of Facebook into Instagram ads, uh, all the way into the platforms that we now know with 
Snapchat, TikTok, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Um, you know, Andy, you're still the king, but uh, uh, I definitely know my way around your platform on the ad side uh, when I need to. Um, so yeah, with that, I've worked across big and small agencies. Um, I started off working in automotive and then transitioned to more uh, agnostic where, you know, of course, e-commerce runs uh, a lot of the digital advertising space, but have worked in nonprofits, worked in financial, fine uh, tech, uh, healthcare. Uh, basically, if you name the industry, I probably have worked with a client in it. Uh, and what I love about paid social is just the fact that it's always ever evolving, that you could start your career in it a, next week. And in the next three to six months, uh, you can kind of carve your own your own area, your own niche, niche, however you want to pronounce it, uh, and constantly just have to keep learning, keep adapting. Um, and that's why I love focusing on creative emerging technologies. And uh, as I know, I'm sure we're going to talk about uh, TikTok. And I think it's, you know, the next big wave. I don't think it's going to take over meta, but it's definitely uh, solidified itself in the market. So definitely wanted to dive into that. And I like being a first mover. You know, I had a TikTok dance planned for this. So we'll do that. I'm just kidding. Jess is like, no, we're not doing that. But (laughs) that's an interesting point you bring up. Uh, Jess, you actually came to me when we thought about this podcast in the beginning, because voice is such an emerging piece right now. Video podcast is an emerging piece. We see it across a lot of different channels. And it's actually an old kind of thing in the tool shed that I had in hosting, you're like, we should do this thing. And, you know, really to Brad's point, I think that it's like, you know, three to six months, things change so much. And it's cool to revisit some old skills and some new ones at that. Definitely. And what I love most about this medium is it, it's really putting the the control in your viewer or your audience because they they can consume it in their own time, whenever they want. And that that's why I think it's one of the reasons why it's so effective. Definitely. So Brad, our first big question for you, we're asking all of our guests there. And I think it's more appropriate now that more than ever, because we've seen so many changes in the industry, so many things happening all at once. Um, the one thing that some of us try to find, and I know for me, sometimes certain days I haven't, certain days I don't, but it's uh, creativity. So how do you unlock your creativity when you're kind of searching for it? Do you have some rhyme or rhythm to make it happen? Uh, If you had asked me this five years ago, I would have a very different answer. Um, But I'm going to say that right now in the here and now post COVID, post pandemic, post being locked in phase, um, it is just as much of a mindset and a process as it is a spark of inspiration. Um, uh, you know, for anybody who isn't familiar with me, I also do stand-up comedy at night. So inspiring myself to think of new jokes, you kind of like, when you hit something good, whether it's in paid media, whether it's in a hobby, whether it's in anything you do, um, I think the key is to just sit down and uh, start listening, start thinking, start letting your brain go down these weird avenues and see where it takes you. Um, and I think that's where a lot of creativity gets suppressed in, you know, let's just call it corporate America is because we have so much on our plates at a regular time that we don't have the time to sit and let our brains adventure. Um, when we're on a, a you know, a, a path, let's say we're truck drivers barreling down the highway. Yeah, we're going to get to point A to point B as fast as we can. And then they're going to load up our trailers and we're going to go back and we're going to hit the next route. 
Um, but we might discover some cool things if we let that truck driver go off the beaten path a little bit and find something new. We might find a new product. We might find a new way to do things. Uh, talking to people, uh, stopping at the truck stops and just saying, hey guys, like, how do you drive your truck versus how do I drive my truck? Can I be more efficient this way? Um, and I think that's what I allow myself to do more than anything else is I give myself kind of unstructured time, uh, especially within paid media of, hey, I have a client who's just not hitting good results. They need new creative. I have to think, you know, everyone loves the cliche outside the box. Um, but then it's just, hey, I'm going to put an hour on the clock and I'm just going to start listing out things I know about that client and what makes them who they are. What are clients saying about them and try to put in all these inputs and connect the dots. Uh, I think creativity, we like to look at it as this big jump of imagination. Oh, you're going to have a million dollar idea hit your head and you're going to be off and running. It never works like that. Our brains are too weird. You, you've got to give yourself the, the kid mindset child in you to just go. And I think that's when great things happen is when you structure your unstructuredness. Yeah, and that's something that we've talked about a good deal in this uh, podcast. Like I like to talk about my early days in social media. You mentioned it a little bit, Brad, how you got started. But I like to say my early days was like YOLO social media. It was like, we don't have a budget, so let's like go do a, a food eating contest. Or, you know, we don't have video content, so let me get my flip camera and film the Blair Witch Project. And that's our marketing video. Like, you know, it's stuff that probably wouldn't work as well right now. But it was like, it still had this like super creative of energy to it in the early days. I almost felt like once I started getting more and more into pay, bigger budgets, bigger stakes, I actually at times felt a little less creative sometimes because it was like you were stuck in kind of this fashion where you had to fit everything in, all the puzzle pieces in. And that's why I credit really just you so much again for helping me start or helping us start this podcast because actually got my mind working a little bit again, you know, speaking and hosting and coming up with questions and going off the books a little bit. You know, my little thing that I've done for a while, and I've been kicking myself because I haven't done it in the last few months, is like my side gig was learning how to do music production, you know, electronic dance music, pump your fist. But I always said that that brought my creativity out more almost in running paid social media ads because I felt like with the ads, I had the book written and I knew how to do certain things to get a certain result. But when I started doing things that was off the beaten path of the truck, it forced me to start using other parts of my brain again. Yes, I love this. So Brad, you may not know this, but I also work in the the creative the creativity innovation space and there is such a connection between marketing or just anything that you're doing in business corporate america and comedy or taking an improv class so i like to make that recommendation a lot like if you're looking to unlock your creativity which we all have that's a, that's another mm -hmm. thing that I tell Andy about all the time, like this busting this myth that, oh, well, I'm, I'm not creative. It's actually, you know, you are creative. Yeah. It's just finding those outlets as you've talked about. So yeah. love it. I think one of the, the challenges we all face is, like Andy said, we kind of get tunnel vision. We're so used to the way that we do things. Our brains want to take shortcuts uh, because we want to minimize the amount of work we have to do. 
doing something completely different, going from sitting in front of a computer to taking a hike, to walking your dog, to putting food in your stomach, just getting away from your screen, I think resets our brain a little bit. It allows our brain to not be in action mode. And I think great things come from it. So yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you both. So we're talking action mode, Brad. We were in heavy action mode about a year ago. So, you know, I work with you directly when, you know, we're a little bit post-COVID. I guess not all the way post-COVID. We're kind of, you know, there was like COVID lockdown. Then there was COVID kind of open. And I think we started working together on COVID kind of open. But paired with that was also iOS 14. And in the e-commerce world for you know, our, our viewers here, I'm not going to like go through the whole iOS 14 and what all of that means, but in the e-commerce world, anything B2C, anything Facebook, anything Instagram, it's like overnight, we're just like, oh, <laughs> it's like, all right, what, what do we have to do now? Um, so with all these changes and you've worked through these changes, you've stayed successful, you've gotten positive returns for your clients. What's been your secret to kind of keep that mojo going? Uh, know thy audience. Uh, and I'm going to go back, Andy, to what you said about your early days in social media. And this is why it's exactly the same as today's media. Um the end result has never changed. Uh, looking back at marketing 50, 100 years ago, the style has the styles, the approaches, the visuals have changed, but the core message has not. Know thy audience, speak to your audience the way that they want to be spoken to, and cut through the the white noise. Um, now, I think you know we see platforms like TikTok. Uh, with short form video doing so well because it was adapting to what people wanted. Short form, quick, entertaining videos that were not pushing a sales message, but were still informative and educational toward an, a sales opportunity. Uh, same thing goes when LinkedIn came about. They wanted a professional channel in which you could have professional discussions and it wouldn't get lost in between photos of your niece and your dinner on Instagram. Uh, Again, it's, I think where we stray away real fast is that we try to focus in our, our marketing messaging to fit the brand, to fit our goals, to fit our objectives. And we forget what our audience needs to see and hear and adapt with. And so your Blair Witch Project from 2012, if we shot that maybe on an iPhone X instead of a Motorola Razor, yeah, maybe we get a little bit better production quality, but it's what they want to see. And a client that might work well with more in the moment, you know, selfie style video, that may not work for another brand that is more luxurious and wants a more polished appeal because you're asking them for a lot more money. Each and every single client project is different, but you won't know until you test. Mm -hmm. And also you don't know until you talk to your customers and- Again, tunnel vision. Might, that might be the theme of what we're talking about here, but I think we do. We all probably work so hard to appease our points of contact, whether it's a boss internally, a client, anybody, that we forget that the customer is our ultimate boss. And so when we talk about iOS 14, uh, I said, hey, th all this means is that creative has to get sharper. If we can't fine tune our creative, we can't get away with 
75% good creative. It's going to have to be 90% because now the creative is going to do the, uh, the targeting for us. Uh, now that there's going to be some noise in the news feeds of Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, everybody, the creative has got to stand out. It's got to say, hey, customer, I hear you. I hear your problems. Here's why I can solve them. Whether it's B2B, B2C, or even somebody doing comedy and just putting something entertaining. If we're not capturing their attention, they're moving on because the internet gives us millions of additional things to look at. So you got to earn my attention. Um, and, uh, I got to think that a lot of us are, you know, probably just need to reframe our brains again to make sure we were talking to our audience the way they want to be heard. And yeah. Brad, I have to jump in here a hundred percent agree. I'm like, you're, you're, you're dropping the mic so many times. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I'd love to know in one of your previous situations when you're building out this strategy, Mm-hmm. where your customer does like not agree or like, you know, maybe you, you're thinking innovatively, you're really focusing on that customer, the the end customer's problem. Mm-hmm. And your, your specific customer is like, no, I, I don't agree with this. Like, this is the wrong direction. Like we want to, we want to focus on being an interesting brand. Yeah. We're not interested. We're, we don't want to be interesting or interested in the customer. So what do you, do in those, or what have you done in those scenarios to bring that customer voice through? Uh, first thing I do is whenever there's conflict between internal, external, anybody, uh, I always just want to stop the conversation and just remind everybody, hey, th- it's we're on a team. So I want to recognize where the conflict is occurring. It is us against the problem, not me and the problem against you or you and the problem against me. I don't want this to become adversarial because we all have the same common goal in mind. We're just disagreeing about the way to go about it. So with that, I then want to break down why I think my direction is advantageous for us to take. And then I also want to return the favor and I want you to break down why you see this. And I want us to dissect the thinking behind this because I think it's so easy for us especially given how quickly the internet can kind of make us team A versus team B and a lot of different things um, for us to not make this a conflict resolution situation, but uh, why do we think we're going to achieve this result? And if we still hit an impasse, um, you know, one person wants to do more of a UGC style video and someone else wants to do more of a studio style video. uh, Usually what I say is if there's budget for both, let's test them. Let's A-B test. Let's let the data tell us what to do. And if we do only have the budget for one versus the other, uh, I want to look at what is what can we do to, to stair-step this? Hey, can we make one of these videos quicker? And the other one's going to take a little more time. Great. Can we test the first one first and then test the second one uh, so that we still get them both in the mix? Um, but of course, you know, this is a uh, an idea in a vacuum. Um Andy and I have worked together on several clients where uh, neither one of our opinions was respected or heard. And I think we all have those. Um, And at that point, I think you also just have to kind of check your ego at the door and say, all right, this isn't my money. This isn't what I'm doing. If it was my money or it was my company, I'd put my foot down. But I also want to respect the fact that sometimes the people with the, who signed the paycheck are the ones who, uh, you know, understand the business. And if it doesn't work, you don't tell them, Hey, uh, I told you so 
you say, hey, that was a very interesting test. I think we learned that this isn't exactly what we're looking for. If you remember, we talked about doing it this other way. Um, do you get, do you think it's a good time for us to try now test it to kind of do a 180 and see if that works? And if they both don't, great, let's go back to the drawing board. But again, I think it's don't create conflict. Make sure that everyone's on the same team. Otherwise, you start getting egos and you start digging your feet in the sand rather than looking at what the ultimate goal is. And that's the growth, the sales, the, the data. Um, and of course, it's easier said than done. I, I get tunnel vision. I dig my heels in. 12 years in, I think I'm right about a lot of things. Um, but data is king. And the, the, the ROAS at the end of the day is going to tell me what worked and what didn't. Yeah. One thing that I think you highlight on there, Brad, really well is something for, I would say, whether a younger social media practitioner, you know, older, somewhere in between, but a good reminder is that people that do this, we're like so honed in on our craft. Like, I think sometimes, you know, we work with customers, we work with clients and we almost treat this money like every cent, like it's our money too. Like when somebody wins, when a platform wins, when the agency wins, when the client wins, everybody wins. Mm -hmm. So we all want to be successful. But I think of myself is, you know, I might run 10 campaigns, maybe six to seven of them end up working as well as we want them to. But those three that didn't work, I think about those probably 500% more than the ones that did work because we keep ourselves up at night trying to figure this stuff out. Like, you know, um, scientists. And I think we talk about creativity a lot here. That's an avenue you go down that rabbit hole. You know, it can make you lose some of it a little bit too. So like, I think it's something to where, especially with what's happening in the industry, some of the things we've gone through in the industry in the last few years is just a reminder for everyone just be a little bit easy on themselves. And I've told myself that too. It's good to be, you know, you want to get the best success. You want to, you know, level up your career. You want to make the most return on ad spend. And for the majority of us, you know, at the level Brad, you and I have been at, like we did that, but there's always going to be times where something doesn't work. There could be thousands of dollars. It's considered wasted, but nothing's wasted when you use these learnings to get you towards, towards that North Star. And once you hit the North Star, generally I find on these platforms, you could stay at the North Star for a long period of time. You just have to find it. And really that leads into this question here is the, the buzzword we like that we're talking about today. We're talking about a lot of different channels on paid media, the omni-channel buzzword that we hear at conferences. Like I remember when this first started showing up and they call it omni-channel marketing. It's like, what the heck are they talking about? It's like, is it something different that I don't know? And then I was like, okay, it's just running a bunch of platforms together. So we did omni-channel and we did creative across different platforms. From your perspective, as someone that's very well-versed in Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, have you seen something creatively that actually transforms across all of these different platforms? And when somebody goes to build creative, they can build something that is usable for all of them at once. Uh I don't think I've ever found the magic piece of creative that I could like, all I have to do is just crop it for different sizes and it works across platforms. But I think that's because audiences are perceiving the platform a little bit differently every time they log on. Um, it, this is really evident when you run uh, something successfully on TikTok, 
and then you place it on Instagram and you see it working well. But then when you make something for Instagram and it works well and you put it on TikTok, it crashes and burns. Um, there's some things that work, you know, uh, retroactively or reverse. Uh, I'm trying to use my video game terms here. Um, but there's others that just don't work cross platform. But again, I think it comes back to the audience. Um, on TikTok, we're a little bit more, people are on there to discover, to learn, to adventure, to the four you page is so good at finding things that I might be interested in that I don't know about that I'm ready and eager to learn versus on Instagram when I'm almost more insulated. I want to see my network. I want to see my friends. I want to see the people I've opted into seeing. Um, and I think that's why people are upset that Facebook and Instagram are showing like things you may like. And you're like, hold on, that's what the discover page is for. My newsfeed is for me to see, you know, uh, to, to keep tabs on my high school bully and make sure that they're still not as successful as I am. Um, so I think you look at things a little bit differently. Uh, the same thing goes, you know, when you're Googling something, uh, you sh you're showing intent. You want to see something. So when you don't see what you're looking for. You get frustrated. Versus, you know, hey, I'm watching a fun video on Instagram and all of a sudden I'm interrupted by an ad. All right. I, I was trying to see something. Stop interrupting what I'm doing. I want to meet you on my terms, not theirs. So I do think there's some pieces of creative and content and styles that can work well, but uh, it's not a one size fits all because I'm going to be a little bit more professional on LinkedIn. I'm going to be a little bit more laid back on TikTok. I'm going to be a little bit more personal on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and again, it's just speaking to your audience the way they want to be spoken to on each platform. And uh, as much as I want to consider this a science, and I know we probably all have bachelors of sciences in marketing and we're analyzing data. Uh, just, I, I wonder if you'd agree that this is sometimes just as much of an art as it is a science and trying something new that is, unfounded you're like hey i just have a gut feeling because i think it's here let's try it and as you know I, I i i do spend money as if it's my own but sometimes i say hey we're in a rut let's spend a little bit and see if it unlocks a lot of it yeah i mean there's an element of trial and error you know my thing for linkedin and what when we worked together at five mil that I made a big change on some of the clients I worked with is I would not start their grouping of campaigns till video was present. I would say we would run at maybe like a very small, like just on mode. But if we're doing demand gen at all, there must be video for retargeting. And I didn't have a lot of data to back this, but the reason I did this was I was so scared of iOS 14. I was like, I don't know what's going to be restricted. Can we retarget off website clicks? Is LinkedIn going to get as, you know, harsh with it, you know, as Facebook did? Like, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know what tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. So I was like, the one thing I can't control is the creative. And I know that if I use in-platform retargeting and I'm able to use messaging and creative technique all the way through a flow of ads, I would be able to create a storyline that's sustainable against any type of industry changes. And that there was not science at all. That was just me. It's like, this is Andy's philosophy. We're going to go with it. So, you know, there has to be an element of that still. And, you know, I, I think that we look at TV, there's a lot of that that happens, you know, like we just had our Super Bowl episode last week. Like, 
there's still so much trial and error that happens there. But sometimes I think it's because you're not being measured on like a conversion or or ROAS basis is tight with everything. So I think you got to have that kind of back and forth balance. But, you know, I know with your side and it comes to video, you know, we, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about your TikTok expertise. So um, just Brad is the TikTok Oracle. He trained us all on the campaign manager. <laughs> Um, how the creative works, how it's different. You know, we heard today, like I learned something from the Instagram and TikTok differences, but you're doing your own thing. So I want you to be able to give a shout out to your own handle. You know, you're popping on TikTok right now. And just the real question though, is that the creative, the creativity we're seeing on TikTok right now is it's bled into Instagram, as you said, but maybe Instagram folks didn't want as much of it as they probably serve them. How are you seeing TikTok really just starting to shape the whole the whole social media industry right now? Uh, it's shortened attention spans dramatically. So, um, I think the one thing you can immediately look at is when a platform does something well, do other platforms pick it up, steal it, and make their own version? Uh, credit to Snapchat for creating stories. Because I think every single social media platform, including LinkedIn, now has stories. Um, it, they, they tapped a part of the network that people wanted to use. Uh, and even the head of Instagram said the other day that there are more messages, uh, videos, things sent in direct messages than in their own stories. People prefer some of that private networking or group mentality that we're seeing on Facebook also occur. Um, versus on, I think TikTok is more of that discovery platform where, uh, this will show my age a little bit. They, to me are kind of like stumble upon way back in the day, uh, where we would click, show me something cool that you've already curated. Um, and you know, TikTok has just changed the way that we want to enjoy video. Um, it's quick, it's to the point, it's entertaining. I will admit that sometimes I go onto TikTok and I see videos that have, 700,000 likes, uh, millions of views. And I watch it and I go, why? Why did so many people do this? Um, some of it, I think, is uh, a little bit of herd mentality. You see that 100,000 people have already liked it. So you're like, well, then I should like it too. Versus if you saw it as like the first or second user. Uh, that being said, I do think there's a lot of amazing content on TikTok that isn't promoted because of their algorithm. Just didn't get the right amount of likes, comments, engagement didn't been shown to the right people. Uh, so you do have to kind of try and try again organically. Um, but the biggest thing I think we can take away from TikTok is if you don't grab attention, you're done. You're dead in the water. Uh, TikTok ad strategy. I often have a lot of clients who I tell them, we're going to make a video and we're going to try five to 10 different first three second hooks because I want to see what grabs our user. Because it doesn't matter if the rest of our video is amazing. If they're not watching the first three seconds, they're not watching the next 17 seconds. Um, so that applies to both me personally. Uh, my Since you're giving me the, uh, the shout out uh, uh, platform here, my uh, TikTok is on Cloud Klein uh, with a three instead of an E. Uh, someone, some wedding took the full one and it drives me nuts. Um, if you go there, you won't see digital marketing. You'll see me signing because both my parents are deaf. And I do stand up about growing up with deaf parents in sign language and speaking. So 
Uh, it's a lot of fun. I have a lot of enjoyment and it's something that takes me away from digital marketing and I get to think creatively, I get to go up on stage, I get to make videos with my parents and uh, do things that are different. But I've noticed that I've tailored my editing, my style and my video approach to match what people are engaging with on TikTok and to an extent what the algorithm is going to do to pick it up. Because um, if I'm just doing this as a pure art form, uh, I would do things slightly differently. Um, I think that's the millennial in me that's like, hey, I don't need to give you a clickbaity intro to get you to watch. But I have noticed that I've had to add uh, some sort of a witty title, kind of a this is what you're going to see in this video type of title to get people to buy in to watch it. Otherwise, they're just like, all right, um, it's a guy and his mom on the screen. Why should I watch this? Um, so there is a little bit of uh, playing the the algorithm on TikTok. But yeah, um, that was a lot of different directions. So I don't know where you I love it. <laughs> Well, I have follow up to that. So we, we have been talking about looking at the user intent with each platform, 100% agree. But is there anything that we can carry over or a marketer can carry over from TikTok to mm-hmm. LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, grab attention immediately. I think that's the number one thing uh, I've learned as a marketer from TikTok is the importance of that opening card, that importance of tell me what I'm about to see. Um, And, you know, Andy, I I thank you for calling me the TikTok Oracle. Uh, I am far from it. Uh, In fact, when I see people online say that they're gurus, ninjas, wizards, I'm like, I am running as far away from you as I can. Uh, We always have to be- Oh, we won't call you that. (laughs) We'll call you a mastermind. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But yes, when we apply it over to LinkedIn, we look at B2B and B2C, you know, they they both exist in the, uh, I think a lot of brands want to lead with their brand name and their logo in like the first two seconds. And my thing is, if you don't have any brand recognition, you've now almost turned me off from watching the video because I'm like, all right, that's a fun logo and a fun name, but I don't know what brick sweater with no vowels stands for. That doesn't like... If you're not selling me an actual brick sweater, then uh, I don't get what you're doing and I don't want to because I'm going to keep rolling and I want to see what what uh, great promotions my coworkers have gotten into on LinkedIn versus someone who starts and says, uh, you know, I hated the way my, you know, we did accounting. Uh, it took as a business owner, it took me 45 minutes every single day to figure out billing. Then I then I I, I came across brick sweater. They actually made this now 45 seconds over an entire month. Right there, you bought me in because you made it re- you made it um, relatable. Um, and I didn't need to know the, your company name until I knew what you would do for me. It should just always be, I hear you, problem, I recognize it, here's the solution, and this is how my company, my product, my brand can solve it. Whether you are a business or a product or a toothbrush or something that can cure my dog's bad breath. I just need to know that you understand me before I understand you as a consumer. And and I think with B2B and on LinkedIn, we look at this so much as brands. Company A needs us. Company A is made up of a lot of decision makers that are people. Talk to the people, not the company. And I think we'll get a lot more success. Um, Now, decision buyers can be all different levels, but uh, I've worked with brands who they wanted to appeal to the intern level to then work it up the chain. But a lot of our LinkedIn marketing 
had to be to the, the C level so they understood the buy-in. That wasn't going to work when all the projects that the software would be used for would be used by interns and entry-level people. They aren't going to switch from their current thing that they just learned in college unless we show them why they should and why this would make their lives easier. And, you know, again, why spend money on something if you don't know that it's going to give you an ROI? You know, I have an exact example for that too, Brad. I actually implemented a social media scheduling platform based on social media ads that came my way. I mean, there's endless ones now. There's Hootsuite, Sprinkler, um, a million different choices. I liked Hey Orca was one I liked quite a bit. Um, but they would hit me with these ads all the time because I read a social media manager. So I ended up, you know, kind of just looking around and there were some I thought that were clever. I actually made a judgment call working in social media based on the social media the company had. I was like, okay, they get social media, so I should inquire. For me to get a platform through at a previous company, usually it was me putting in my information. My VP of marketing was not going to put their information in for that because they were like VP of comms. They handled nothing to do with social media. Like I was under them. They had nothing to do with it. So I put my name in. I did the demo. I vetted it, said it was cool. Went to my boss with all the details. I was now likely a opportunity because I know how much money was probably attached to me with how many licenses we would subscribe. I went to my boss. He said, okay, this looks like it could potentially be helpful. Let's review it. Six weeks later, I was able to talk to the VP. He's considering it for next quarter, you know, a month and a half later. Let's revisit this again. Hey, Andy, remember us? Are you still on our, you know, are you still on the food chain? Yes, I am. This is what we have to get through. VP now says it's okay, has signed a signature on the contract. Um, manager has signed a, uh, his signature on a contract. But wait, there's more. It has to go through a CFO to like budget line it because this wasn't part of the original budget planning we had for this full year. So it has to go to the CFO six weeks later, signed. Like, mm -hmm. But to your point, all these decision makers were involved. But if I didn't push it, if I didn't get a clever ad, if I didn't get an ad that was like one-on-one -on -one directed to me as a practitioner, this wouldn't have ever gotten off the ground. And I think that's what's so tricky about what Jess and I do when we consult at LinkedIn is we have to think of all these different buyer groups and you know a lot of psychology that goes into it as to what can resonate across different buyer groups. And does that mean we have to run a multitude of creatives and messages and how do we do it and what audience and what budget, how is it split? So you know, to what you're saying, there's a lot of thought that has to go into it. And I think creativity in the ads has to lead that. Well, it's just in one addition to what you're saying is they the company has to empower you, Andy, to be their biggest advocate internally. So that means that while you're working with your VPs and you're working up the ladder, they should probably be serving you retargeting ads that give you quick talking points to then take back to your teams. Uh, because again, six weeks is a long time to forget all the intricacies of a platform, but you shouldn't forget the value and the benefit it brings to you. Um, and I think you know, we can talk about attribution tracking. We can talk about the sales cycle, what platforms get a credit for which ones, especially in an omni-channel. I think the result at the end of the day is, 
did we get that conversion? And you know, what's the AOV and the LTV? Each client can determine that separately. But what's most important is creating in a B2B environment champions internally in a company. Uh, and once that ball gets rolling, well, mm-hmm. it's just gravy on top. This is gravy. I got one more for you, Brad. I know we've kept you for a while here. This has been excellent conversation, but I have to derail it just a little bit. So um, as you mentioned, you're doing stand-up comedy. I have heard, you know, a few editions of your jokes. I watch your TikToks, of course, but is there anything you can give us today on the making of a marketer, a current joke, a new joke, a past joke that works really well? We just, we got to hear something before we let you go. Okay. Uh, I am happy to. It's uh, one of my favorite jokes. I'm backing up because I'm going to sign it. Uh, and you need to be able to see my hands. So when I was five years old, I came home from my first day of kindergarten. And I was so proud. My mom's washing the dishes. I tapped her on the hip and said, Mom, I'm home. How was it, sweetie? Amazing. I made new friends. Get this. They were the cool kids on the playground. The fifth graders. How'd you do it? It was easy. I just walked right up to them and said, I should be in your cool kids club because I know sign language. And they said, we know sign language too. Meet us under the bridge at recess on the playground and we'll teach you some new words in sign language. Oh, my mom got so excited. Tell me the new words you learned. Then I proceeded to tell her how to say I love you with just one finger. And because this is a LinkedIn thing, it wasn't this finger. Her smile went to the scowl. She looked dead in the eye. I'm going to make sure you never use that four-letter word in this house ever again. She grabbed me by the collar. She threw me in the bathroom, sat me down in the sink, grabbed the soap and said, this is for your own good, son. I closed my eyes with my mouth and she washed my hands. I love it. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. Is that your go-to, like right out of the gate, or do you like finesse and like work up to that? No, that that's my close. That's usually my closing joke. Closer. I, I, have, I have a couple of I have a, a couple of good closers. That one's good because it's a little bit longer of a story where I can interject some jokes in the middle there. Um, but I've already earned the trust and the respect, so I figured, hey, why not close the this discussion with it? Because I've already earned your trust and respect. I hope. Um, so yes, uh, but I have a lot. I have. Uh, a lot of short jokes. I have a long, long jokes, um, things about how, you know, uh, my parents are deaf, not dumb and, uh, how people are still dumb to them. Uh, the quickest one is that we went to target, uh, cashier asked my mom, uh, or my mom asked the cashier what time it was. And he said, Oh, it's two 45. Mom said, sorry, I'm deaf. And he goes, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and then lost all brain cells when he went, it's, uh, two 45. Just, Write it down, dude. Yeah. Let's write it down. But yes, Great. he felt the need to demonstrate the time, um, which he was trying to be accessible. He got the job done. Um, but yes, uh, yeah. So it's just fun. I like uh, lifting up the deaf community and the deaf culture, uh, being that I was born and raised and is still very much a part of it. Uh, I do stand up in for both hearing and deaf audiences. Uh, changing up my style and my approach where I'm full American sign language with my deaf audiences. Um, yeah. So it's lots of fun and uh, I enjoy it. it. It resets my brain from digital marketing. Uh, so maybe uh, one of these days I'll, I'll, I'll ping both of you guys and we'll, I'll get that list going so I can write some digital marketing jokes. No, I love it. I love it, Brad. That was 
fantastic. Fully love what you're doing with the comedy. And I love to see it grow so much. Your TikTok has grown so much. Like it's been, from my side, being a, a former coworker, you know, a social media paid partner at Five Mill, um, and just also being a friend in the digital marketing industry. It's just been so great. So I watch you grow in really both facets in, in digital marketing and both comedy. So very, very happy to have this conversation. I will be down in Chicago at some point this summer. So we will be connecting for sure um, to make sure I come to a show uh, once you're performing. But again, thank you so much, Brad. Yes, thank you. Uh, Jess, it was very nice to meet you. Um, but I have to give a hat tip to Andy, my birthday twin, my heart. I'm sad that we can't, you know, see each other on a daily basis anymore. Okay. Well, we'll, come, we'll convene soon. Yes. Yeah, so, Brad, thank you. But w- one thing we do need to bring up, like what what's more important, being born on the same day or both attending Indiana University? Ooh, that's that is a that's a conundrum right there. Because hmm. uh, one, I didn't have a choice over. Uh, so clearly, Andy and I were lucky enough to be born on the same day, but just you and I were smart enough to go to the number one university in the world. Uh, you know, so, hey, uh, it, let, let's let's just say for the sake of this, because I don't want Andy to delete this afterwards. You both are wonderful, wise. <laughs> I honor very much so. Um, and I wish I was saying this just, but I usually have an IU mug next to me, but I'll just uh, tip. I have an IU basketball hoop next to me over there. I love it. I'll take it. (laughs) Yes. All right. Perfect, Brad. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too. So that was wonderful, Jess. Like we could have kept this on for a three hour podcast and I would have just rolled with it. But I know Brad has to get back to his work day. So I was like watching the clock tick down. I was like, I've got to get him out of here eventually. But that was absolutely wonderful. Now I have so many more questions for him. But yes, I loved. Love the stories, love the background. It's, it, it just, it's so simple in what he's saying, you know, de- design for the customer, you know, create this customer-driven content. And yeah, it's very difficult for brands and marketers to achieve mm-hmm. that objective. So just to hear his perspective and, and put it into such simple terms was fantastic. One of the things that really stuck with me, and I do this so much, you know, with the the customers I consult, and sometimes they'll even ask me too. It's like, who do who should we market to? Like, is it the decision makers, C level, is it practitioner? Sometimes I'll say yes, you know, depending on the product. You know, there might be something that shows up that's like really specific and it needs to be C-level. But for a lot of B2B and what we do, it can really cross over to multiple personas. And I find that to be such an interesting thing that he's talking about because the way something should look maybe for a CFO versus for a 23-year-old 23 23-year-old practitioner who could be the first touch point and is very into TikTok and, you know, Gen Z and someone at a different demographic, it might make sense to break some of, you know, some of our usual techniques. It got me to thinking, like, this got me thinking like TikTok style videos and how they answer a question right away or a need right away versus going brand right away. It deviates from some of the things I recommend, but 
it got me to thinking, I was like, it might not be a bad idea to test something like that. So I felt like I really learned something, but it really just opened my mind again, because that is something that we always get questions about. And it's always a pretty convoluted answer as to how we work to who they should be marketing to. Absolutely. And going back to your point, to Brad's point, it really does come down to the capturing the attention piece as well. Because no matter what platform you're on, we are exposed to so much content, so many ads per day that you have to capture that attention quickly in order to be effective. Yep. I, I know how I view social media. <laughs> this is how I view it right here. And you know, TikTok makes us do that quicker. So this was a this is not again a scientific thing. Maybe it's out there and I'm just like rehashing old information somewhere. But I actually feel like people go through content faster now because TikTok scrolls faster. And it sounds like such a small thing, but all you do is you barely move your thumb and you're on another video and just starts where another platform, you kind of laugh at it. So it takes a whole, what, split second longer to start another video or see another post, but it's just a tick slower. And I think it actually makes people just blaster things quicker now, you know, shorter videos, more of a short form platform. So I definitely see how that bleeds over to what we do on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, Personally, with my consumption, I find this to be the case on YouTube, where I'm now watching these YouTube shorts, and it's very similar to uh, TikTok. And I now have trouble watching the longer form videos, Mm -hmm. because my attention span has uh, decreased tremendously and it's really hard for me to maintain my focus so I'm loving these these shorts and like you said they answer a question they 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 like they they know me and they get to the point quickly YouTube's a smart algorithm too like it'll learn you really fast like one thing I like on it a lot is they have categories now so if you open up on your phone you go to YouTube like for me it's like roller coasters baseball roller coasters baseball and I can like toggle in between and the shorts kind of follow me around you know we know about what Brad was talking about with reels and Instagram they were doing that quite a bit you know I think our world LinkedIn you know, obviously there isn't like a reel or a short or anything like that, but I do see more creator style type content popping up mm-hmm. and I see more vertical content popping up. One thing I wanted to get to a little bit, but we had such interesting conversation, we didn't quite get to it, was your belief about lower resolution. And that I think is something that comes from a lot of the short form we're seeing right now, but I'm testing that out a little bit when we do like our square videos and as podcasts, like not going Disney production, going more, you know, realistic, like in the moment, lower resolution type video. Definitely. I I, I would assume Brad would say test it. <laughs> yes. He's all yes. about testing. So he and I, we, this is a conversation we've had before. We both agree on this, but this is you know, you need to have your right creative resources. There has to be a lot of planning. So like I'll say LinkedIn, for instance, you know, a recommendation is to run like four to six creatives within a singular campaign, but maybe you only have one to two videos. So what he and I would both agree on the same thing is just change the first few seconds of each, because the worst thing that could happen is one or two of those 
uh, creative IDs just won't be served. Like the fact that it doesn't work will just be a fact that, hey, they chose a different one that the audience likes more and it's served 10 times more, but it shows you what works immediately and there isn't really a loss there. You didn't lose money. You didn't lose trajectory of where your campaigns are going because you allowed the campaigns and you allowed the machine to do the testing for you versus sometimes we'll see like one video, one ad, one campaign may or may not work, but it could have been something so small, like just changing out the first few seconds, it might've flipped the whole thing. Absolutely. And the other thing that we didn't get into too deeply was this whole idea and how to really incorporate humor into your marketing efforts. But I, I think what or at least what I noticed or got out of it with Brad is when he was telling us his joke and really just anchoring around telling a story, telling an engaging story. And, and that's something that I think we can carry carry through as marketers, especially on LinkedIn. There is room to test more of uh, the storytelling elements, more of the personal elements mm -hmm as well because the 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 intent is slightly changing where it it is not just business professional 24 7. yes it's it's taken a more personal tone and if there's any trendsetter when it comes to paid media so you know we talk everything we consult everything with our customers just but at the end of the day like paid media generally it's like we talk organic here and i paid like way up here but i always still feel like organic trends lead so much into what works for paid so it's important to look at what's on the linkedin feed what people are commenting on how it's changing because it will morph they all morph and you and I, just as much as our customers, will still will be trying to play catch up with it and trying to stay ahead of it if we can. But all of us are kind of learning on the fly and making those adjustments as we go is what can set you apart. Yes. It, it, listen to your followers. Going back to what Brad was saying, the customers, the users, whatever you want to call them, they they know what they need, what they want, what is going to resonate. So yes, a hundred percent agree. And I will quickly say a company that does, or a brand that does this very well. And if you check them out on LinkedIn is Gong mm. and they, they do a lot initially like organically, they incorporate a lot of humor. They incorporate a lot of uh, low resolution uh, GIFs. Do you call them GIFs or GIFs? I always ask this question. <laughs> I, I, call them, I call them GIFs. Um, I had an old boss um, that pounded it in my head that it's a GIF and it's not GIF peanut butter. And he used to get so frustrated over it. Like there was one time someone called, like, you know, some people just get like upset over random things. Like there's like little things that annoy them. He, if he heard someone say GIF, you would see him like grind something like, like a pen and like break it or like, like, like the handle on his chair. He'd be like white knuckling it. So like, he pounded it in my head that I should never say Jeff around him. So it was gift to me. But I did hear the founder said it is Jeff, didn't he? Like, I, I'm almost positive I read that. Oh, this this will just be an ongoing debate. I, I mean, you, you, you kind of got me there where I was like, okay, gifts moving forward. But if the <laughs> yeah. founder is saying GIFs, then Maybe it's supposed to be peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh. 
No, I, I, I definitely love the gift style. Um, anything adds some movement, you know, like even if it's something small, I just like movement, like movement stops the scroll. We're trained for movement. Stories are movement, even statics on stories. It's things that are moving. Like, I think that just like helps somebody stop while they're, while they're doing their blast to their news feed while they're, I always make the joke when I do um, any type of presentation, I'm like, you know, how do people view your social media? You know, I ask the question, they're like, how, Andy? I say that when they're on a Zoom call and they hit mute and go off camera, I said, that's how they're viewing social media. So it's like, you have a very like quick amount of time to uh, get a hold of them. Definitely. Oh, the other thing Gong does well, the, the memes too. Yes. And I feel like the memes, just like with the illustration, and we've talked about this with the big, bold, words on the visual that ties to like the tiktok style mm -hmm. as well yeah big words right in the face organic looking you know kind of what we grew up on too early days of facebook was like meme heaven like it was just meme after meme after meme i'm, I'm for it like that those were Oh, there's some people that argue it's the golden age. I was about to call it the golden age of social media, but really, I don't know. I'd say it's more the Wild West age. I don't know if it was golden, but it was still fun, though. Um, but I won't derail anymore. We're about at time for the podcast. Uh, next week, I think this the, these two episodes play nicely with each other. Next week, our theme is going to be looking at more of the creator space on LinkedIn and the influencer space as a whole and how that's changing on LinkedIn from an expert, what they're using to get seen, you know, kind of as a personal brand on the feed. And I think it really just leads into this conversation. How are you cutting through and making the magic happen? Yeah. How are they capturing attention? I love it. I can't wait. Sounds good. Well, thanks as always, Jess. We'll be back next week. And thank you for listening. Bye, Andy. See ya, see ya. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.